This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. And now, from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is the CMO Spotlight. With insight from top executives on how to address the key challenges facing the business world and the marketing industry. Here are your hosts, Catherine Hayes and Jenny Rooney. Hey, and welcome to the show. It's going to be a great one, as always. I'm Catherine Hayes. I'm the co-author of a book called Beyond Advertising, Creating Value Through All Customer Touchpoints, and the um, founding uh, executive director of the Wharton Future of Advertising program here. And I am with Jenny Rooney, wonderful hey, Jenny Rooney, who has a little bit of touch of sun from the south of France. <laughs> very, very small. I think you were in meetings all the time. But um, so we'll be talking about that today. Um, but I just want to welcome you all to the show. This is a show that we get pretty excited about because it's for marketers and really everyone who wants to know kind of what are the key topics, what are the key issues, what are the key challenges that um, chief marketing officers from some of the biggest companies in the world Mm -hmm. are thinking about and doing. So we'll be welcoming a couple to our show today. In fact, we'll be welcoming Nick Drake. He's the executive vice president of marketing and experience at T-Mobile USA. And secondly, in our second half hour, we're going to talk with Rick Gomez. He's the chief marketing officer of Target. So it should be a great show. And And Jenny, why don't you tell us a little bit about the theme of the show? Sure. Yeah. So thanks, Catherine. It's always great to be here. And we always have so much fun once a month with the show. Um, I just got back from the Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity. And so um, we're going to be talking, obviously, about what that is on the show. But um, it's an annual gathering of of advertising executives from all over the world. And they meet uh, once a year uh, in the south of France. And... um, you know, a big focus on at the show every year, um, but certainly this year, is on this concept of creativity and sort of how it's defined, what it means, how it can be obviously a brand and business builder um, for marketers. And so we have these two um, amazing guests on the show, Nick and Rick, <laughs> who are um, leading CMOs in the industry, and they uh, are also um, – Back from Cannes, they were they were there. I saw them last week, and uh, so it's wonderful to have them on the show because we can talk about sort of what they um, experienced when they were there and sort of the insights that they gleaned from being there and how they're bringing them back into their uh, offices um, now that they're perfect. And back. this is great because I'm I'm kind of like a listener since. <laughs> I did not go to Cannes this year. But you've been, I've Catherine. Been. So it's fabulous. You've experienced it. So it's, it's not fear of missing out. It's knowing what you're missing out on, something <laughs> like that. I'm not quite sure what that acronym <laughs> might be. But um, but I really am very curious to sort of see what the vibe was and that sort of thing. So so with that, why don't we go ahead and get started? Sure, yeah. I'd like to welcome our first um, guest of the show. Again, it's Nick Drake. He's the Executive Vice President, Marketing and Experience for T-Mobile USA. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you so much, Jenny and Catherine. How are you doing? Great. Good to talk to you, Nick. Thanks for uh, taking time. I'm sure you're still catching up on everything, having been away at Cannes for the last week or so. You know, I'm just trying to get used to not having rosé thrown at me and people offering me a blockchain uh, trial. Uh, (laughs) In a connected kind of a way, so rosé on top of the blockchain? I'm looking looking for the application here. They seem to arrive in equal quantities. But I, I can attest to the fact that uh, Jenny wasn't there tanning. She was working incredibly hard. Every time I saw her, she was hosting an amazing event for Forbes. So, well, thank, uh, yeah. Yeah, thank you yeah. for saying so, Nick. And it was great to see you um, and meet you there, really. So, yeah. so this yeah, is great. No, it, it's fantastic. 
So why don't you just give us, maybe kind of start with the elevator pitch, just help our listeners remember. I think we all, as a consumer brand, have a good sense of it. But just a little bit about um, T-Mobile and what your role is there, your scope, and maybe a little bit about your journey coming to this particular job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, My role started uh, last August, so I'm relatively new in the position. Uh, Prior to that, I'd been uh, the SVP of digital, um, charged with leading T-Mobile's digital transformation. And we got to a point in um, uh, that path where it became clear that we needed marketing transformation as well. And so I have a a brand new role within the company where we brought together um, all elements of traditional marketing, including brand, etc., um, and put that together with the product management side of our business um, under the notion of nice. creating all customer experiences in one place within our business. Amazing. Um, which has uh, been a, a fantastic and really exciting ride. Um, prior to that, I've had a very varied background. Um, strangely enough, I, I started life as a professional athlete, or at least life at the age of 18, um, and was a rugby player in the UK. And I, I, I sort of fell into um, advertising um, when um, I got injured. And uh, very kindly, um, a media agency uh, said, you know, your professional sports background would be fantastic for our client Adidas or Adidas uh, in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, would you like to come and, and, and learn, learn the profession? So wow. uh, I, fed, I, I fell into it. I'm, I've sort of been forever grateful to the, uh, the folks down at Aegis who, who gave me this start and showed me this world of advertising. And then I was really lucky when I retired a few years later. Um, I was able to go back and play for a few more years. And when I retired, um, Adidas, who happened to be my sponsor, offered me um, my, my first start on the brand side um, mm. in their global marketing team. Um, and, and that's how I sort of fell into the marketing world. And from there, I moved to uh, be the managing director of Shark Day in Los Angeles, was the chief marketing officer of um, uh, action sports brand Quicksilver, um, and, and then came to T-Mobile um, almost exactly three years ago. So uh, quite a varied background. That's amazing, and I can I can only imagine how you're bringing all those experiences to bear on what you're doing now at at, at T-Mobile. Can you uh, to Catherine's question too? Just just share where T-Mobile is, you know, in its journey and sort of what its mandate is, um, you know, against really stiff competition, right? Yeah, it's it's been a phenomenal journey. So uh, we view ourselves as five years in, and, and and five years ago was the moment that the uncarrier was born. Um, and the story sort of almost become folklore, I guess. You know, our CEO, John Ledger, in a moment of deep frustration, completely unpremeditated, leapt up onto a stage in, in Las Vegas and said that he wanted to put an end to a stupid, broken and arrogant industry. Um, and with that, this notion of Uncarrier was born, which was um, not even being a challenger brand, but com- completely reinventing the category and doing things in a totally different way to the incumbents. And at the center of that, there's really only one principle, which is doing the right things by customers. Um, and, you know, John's often asked what the secret sauce is. Um, and, and he will only give you one response, which is listen to customers and do exactly what they tell you. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's how the company's sort of been moving forward for the last five years. And, and it, it seems to have been quite successful. I mean, we've had now it's been 19 quarters of growth with over a million nets in each quarter. So we've moved from 33 million customers to 73 million customers in five years. And we've moved from being the number four carrier to the number three carrier. And uh, we're chasing hard on the heels of the other guys. 
Um, so it's been an exciting journey so far. That's amazing. What, um, what a story. Yeah, and a talk story. about uh, talk about growth. Um, and so you've been there sort of three years in. And yeah. it sounds as though as part of that becoming an uncarrier or naming oneself that is was your role in both sort of the digital transformation and then really seeing that as a, a broader mandate across all of the touch points. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's it, it, it's really been a fun ride. I mean, of course, you know, as we said, it's experience which has really defined the difference between T-Mobile and our competitors. And so, you know, when I looked at the landscape and arrived here three years ago, um, it was quite clear that we weren't really where we should have been from a digital perspective. I think we'd focused on uh, the parts of the company that touch customers every single day from a physical perspective. Uh, we have this notion of being frontline first. Um, and so, um, you know, customer care has really changed its game and have become the best in the industry. Um, the retail experience was... Uh, you know, fully transformed in a very short space of time and has become uh, best in class. Um, and as we looked at the other places that customers were interacting with us, it was really clear that we were falling short um, and uh, in the digital space. And so that isn't an easy thing to go fix. And, and so we came up with this notion of splitting the monolith. Um, and that was separating front-end experiences from our legacy architecture. You know, we had systems that had been here sure. for over 15 years. Right. Um, and, and so the thought was, uh, how could we rapidly iterate um, and generate uh, much better customer experiences on the front end while allowing our engineering team the time and space to go re-platform, which is very hard to do when they get a series of orders running through the product management teams asking for constant changes to the back end uh, to support front end changes. Right. Um, and, and so the, the, the art was... Um, within a couple of years, could we radically change that front-end experience? And I, you know, I, th I think we've done a, a fairly reasonable job, you know, in um, you know obvious places like transforming the T-Mobile the website or our brand new customer service app. Um, and I think we've even now pioneered into new spaces, uh, working with um, uh, friends at uh, some of the social channels like uh, Facebook, where we now have um, acquisition and care capabilities built within. Uh, the messenger funnel, and we're actually the only telecom operator in that space at the moment. Wow. Uh, so it's been an interesting journey. So against that backdrop, because our show is talking about Can, which is one of the biggest events in the ad, ad world um, still, you know, with that background, with that experience, and coming from that vantage point, you go to Can. Um, you know, what what do you go, why do you go as a CMO who's sort of, you know, overseeing um, all this uh, transformation and Obviously, wanting to, um, you know, I'm sure you go to tons of conferences and you're, you know, you're associating with other CMOs and you're hearing other things. But why specifically do you go to CAN um, and and sort of, especially coming from your unique vantage point? Yeah, I, CAN has a number of different benefits. I mean, first and foremost, um, it, it, it's a learning center for me. Um, you know, you have what is it, 11,000 delegates, I think, from 90 countries right. mm -hmm. uh, sharing their, um, you know, their thoughts and their ideas and, and, and importantly, their work. Um, so, you know, there's the celebration of what's considered best in class. On the fringes, um, you know, people like Jenny are hosting exchanges of ideas. Um, and I, I find that incredibly valuable because you don't often get your peers in one space at one time, e even at forums. Uh, you know, in the United States. Um, and so to have the time and ability to sit down with 
you know, people like Rick, who I think you're speaking to later, mm-hmm. um, who, who happens to be a good friend and somebody who's been helping us with our transformation a good deal. Mm. Um, and, and asking those hard questions in a private forum um, and, and candidly sharing best practices, I think is a unique gift. And I, I find this one of the most valuable weeks of my year. Um, and then last of all, I like the fact that it's become a place where we are now setting standards mm-hmm. uh, for all things in advertising. Um, and you know, it's probably worthy of greater conversation, but there are some really important things happening in our industry at the moment that we all need to align around um, and, and declare benchmarks and standards for them. And, and again, Canada's becoming a great center, um, not just from a United States perspective, but from a global perspective for us as an industry um, to think about the way that our uh, business is conducted and to perhaps raise the bar um, as we so desperately need to do in some areas. Let's talk a little bit about that. I think it'd be very helpful for us to get a sense of which kind of standards you're talking about and what kind of bars are being raised and to where and why. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a number of different places to go. Uh, and I think you know, the obvious one and, and, and one of the big conversations that can was obviously what people were calling the Me Too effect. Um, you know, last year, I think we were sort of at a place where people um, were, were, were sort of raising the question of, well, what should we do? Um, and I think what was gratifying this year was we saw a change in the conversation, which was, uh, this is what we've done, and right. this is what's more we're setting out to achieve. Um, and that was from the perspective of gender equality and diversity and inclusion. Um, and I think those are all three incredibly important topics, particularly within the advertising industry, which has um, not, you know, not been a place of great equality um, and still isn't um, in, in many places today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for instance, uh, I was on a panel with um, uh, Elini Santos from Unilever, um, who was talking about uh, the unstereotype um, initiative that they've just launched. She heads um, their uh, diversity and inclusion initiatives, right? She's she oversees that's right. all yeah. that for Unilever. Yeah, yeah. She, I, I think she holds two titles. So I think she's the EVP of marketing and um, and uh, diversity and inclusion. Yeah. Um, and so the um, you know the unstereotype um, initiative is requiring uh, brands that sign up uh, to pay a sum of money uh, to the United Nations um, Equality Alliance, um, and they set certain benchmarks and objectives. You know, for instance, I think one that she spoke about was making sure that at least fifty percent of the directors that they work with. Um, are female um, mm-hmm. in all of their advertising work. Um, they set very aggressive targets for making sure that they are um, a diverse um, workforce at Unilever. Um, and so they, they've looked internally and externally at their partners um, and started setting some bars, and they've asked everyone else to come and join and participate. That kind of conversation, I thought, was incredibly important, uh, really beneficial, and it was great to see what other companies are doing, but perhaps we could learn from and participate with. And then, you know, not, no less important, but, you know, there were, uh, let's, you know, Christine Lemkow uh, was uh, there uh, talking about the Gun Safety Alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, the, you know, the folks from Mars talking about Lion's Share, which was um, an initiative to um, uh, protect um, wildlife um, and uh, specifically how we treat animals in advertising. And I think the notion there was, um, any advert that you um, featured an animal within, you would donate 0.5% of the media budget, um, again, to the United Nations, um, where 
the lion's share trust would uh, make sure that that went to the preservation and um, uh, good keeping of animals across the world. So there were a multitude and a great diversity of really important topics that I don't think have had substantial programs behind them before. Um, and this became, I think, one of the key themes of the conference. Yeah, I mean, there's such agenda, agenda setting there, and I think that there's been so much conversation around this now, and actually action, right, to your point. Mm-hmm. Um, Concrete, specific, and the other thing that I think I find really fascinating is Again, sort of not just talking about it, which I've been to conferences over the last 10 years where it's like, oh, we need to work on this and what's the problem? But actually putting into place and as well as coming together as partners between the agencies and the brands and those who are creating the ads and the marketing and the and the brands themselves to be in partnership on this and to hold each other accountable. So that's really impressive. Yeah, that's been fascinating. What do you think, Nick? Nick, how do you sort of translate? To me, that's such an interesting um, point where we're seeing marketers, you know, obviously um, lean in and 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 not just um, have brand messages that speak to cultural issues, but CMOs are actually taking a stand and actually, you know, feeling like you mentioned Kristen, for example, and some others, but you know, who feel like adding to that dialogue and that conversation and actually having a point of view. Um, is valuable now, right? And um, how are you viewing that as a CMO and so in terms of how T- T-Mobile has to show up, right, in, in cultural, in conversations around cultural issues and societal issues and addressing those? Um, and also how are you sort of regarding what its sort of purpose needs to be beyond, you know, above and beyond, obviously, just the uh, the products and services that it's selling? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a couple of interesting things there. I mean, essentially, with the um, popularization of social media, we live in a day and age of radical transparency. Yeah. Um, and in, in a day and age where we need to earn customers' trust every single day. And so, first of all, I think senior executives within businesses uh, have a responsibility to um, wear their brand um, and face it to their public and to their customers daily. Um, and you know, fortunately, T-Mobile, this is... One of our core principles, I mean, part of the agenda that John set out to achieve five years ago was uh, this this sense uh, that I mentioned previously of frontline first. But what that meant was that as executives of the business, we have to stand shoulder to shoulder with um, those that are dealing with customers every every single day and answer customer queries ourselves. And and, I've got to tell you, I really hadn't spoken to customers Hmm. um, on this level at any other point in my career. You know, 20 years in, in marketing and advertising, and we tended to be in our ivory towers a little bit. Um, and what I loved about T-Mobile was the um, exposure to the things that we had sown on a daily basis. Um, and people will tell, you know, often ask, you know, how do you know if your business is working or not working? We know instantaneously if something's working because it will pop up in our social feeds and we need to respond to it as the primary thing we do every single day. So I think part one of your question is we absolutely shoulder responsibility to face our customers mm-hmm. um, for the things that we sow. But part two, uh, which is you know, your question on purpose, is it's not just about the industries within which we sit. Um, it's very clear, and this is a big topic at can as well, that um, you, we've got to move from uh, having purpose uh, to bringing meaning 
to people. Uh, you know, we're, we're entering an age where we have deeper relationships with customers than ever before, and that brings with it tremendous responsibility. Um, and so one of the things that um, I'm really proud that the T-Mobile team has, has done um, you know, in, in, in the last few months is, is really begin to recognize um, where um, bringing meaning and advocacy to things that sit beyond our industry and are a halo across all industries um, are incredibly important to bring our voice to. And so, you know, some small examples of that would be, for instance, the Super Bowl spot, which is traditionally an opportunity for T-Mobile to poke one of our competitors in the eye and have some fun. Mm -hmm. um, and this year, we decided it wasn't a year for that. It was a year to talk about mm. um, equality and work with Kerry Washington um, on the piece of work that we ran during um, the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and equally, you know, I, I came out and I, I think Jenny might have been there at the Tau, uh, and we spoke about the fact that, um, you know, we looked internally and said, you know what, we should be putting 30% of all of our media dollars behind social impact. Um, and so we have a whole series of initiatives coming out this year because we feel the responsibility to bring more meaning uh, to the term or the notion of changing wireless for good. Uh, good isn't just industry changes. It's also about um, supporting things that matter socially. Um, and, and that's been a, you know, a, an important evolution for us and I think many brands this year and was much spoken about at can. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it goes without saying, obviously, though, at the end of the day, there's got to be a, a business imperative. I mean, there's a business imperative. So there, you ask any CMO these days and they'll, they'll be completely frank and say, but it's good business. I mean, this is what our consumers want. They want us to take a stand. You know, they want to, um, I think actually Rick, who's coming on next, you know, said, you know, customer, millennials, especially in younger generations, they don't want to buy things. They want to buy into things, right? They want to feel like they're kind of um, um, adopting or, or investing in or supporting, you know, the companies and brands that support the things that they care about or at least are, are aligned um, with them on, on certain could, issues. So couldn't couldn't agree more if we don't achieve that we won't be a brand that stands the test of time and our marketing marketing objective uh, sounds a little sort of lofty but um, internally our desire is to become the most loved brand in america we're, we're already the most loved brand in the wireless category um but it, it's not one of those sort of big thirty thousand foot sort of throwaway objectives there's a very tangible metrics behind that which support the fact that as you become a beloved brand, you actually need to spend less on media and advertising because your customers do that advocacy for you. And you build these long-term uh, relationships that also allow you to break into new industries. Um, and, you know, of course, T-Mobile started in the wireless industry. We've recently bought a cable company and we're bringing radical disruption to those two categories. But I think we've got a much broader runway than that uh, as an extraordinary customer advocate. Um, so I couldn't agree with you more. And have, I mean, obviously you're in, um, from a growth perspective, obviously in very good shape and that's been moving along. Do you think that makes it easier to make some of these choices and take some of these, um, what could be considered risks to move it away from sort of the tried and true media buys to, to something that's, um, more aspirational and perhaps a longer term investment? Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic question. It's something I often, you know, people say, say, what keeps you awake at night? That's one of the things I ponder, which is um, are the decisions we're taking based on the luxury of growth? 
Um, but I, I would argue that it, it shouldn't be. Um, right. And it, it's obviously much harder if you're, um, you know, you're in the shoes of, let's say, one of our competitors that are, you know, in decline at the moment, uh, where you're forced to look at marginal changes to drive, um, you know, the, the sort of returns that shareholders are looking for. But I, I truly believe that if you focus on customer experience, always uh, you will see the economic returns uh, provided. And you, know, as you were connecting the dots, but, you know, part of customer experience, uh, things like having uh, gender equality and diversity in, in your workforce drives greater innovation and leads to those fantastic customer experiences. And it attracts people to, to want to work for company. your company, too, which is obviously the other, the other thing that a lot of absolutely. CMOs are focused on right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I'm listening to you, Nick, and I'm thinking about folks who might be listening on the call who might be at smaller companies that are just starting out or, you know, I mean, you have such amazing experience and a variety of experiences at different types of company, you know, agency side, other clients. Um, T-Mobile has such a, a rich history. You know, from your vantage point, especially when we get into these concepts of, you know, meaning and um, cultural relevance and purpose and, um, you know, and starting to, 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 to your point just now, you know, going beyond um, just talking, you know, just selling the product or service, right, and pitching the next, the next great thing. And it's actually letting your consumers know what you stand for. And how would you, what would, advice would you give to companies that don't have that, um, you know, benefit of time yet, you know, or that track record or that We're experience? We're considering it. Yeah, is that something, especially when authenticity is so key? How, how any just quick words of advice for uh, for companies that might be trying to get a, their heads around how do I approach that concept and 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 achieve that? For, for me, um, it, it was a shy day philosophy, but I, I know it's sort of been adopted widely elsewhere. Um, but it, it always started with finding um, your your brand belief and then your brand behavior. Uh, which I think Simon Sinek has decoded quite nicely with his um, why, how, what. Um, pivoting to why you exist, being explicit upon that, and making sure that everything you do that a customer touches or sees or feels ladders up to that belief uh, will be transformational for any business of any size. Um, and it, it, it slightly decodes John's notion of putting customers first. Um, if your reason to exist aligns uh, with things that your customers are passionate about, feels like it represents values that they hold, um, then you're building a brand that becomes part of their lives. Um, and I always start in that place. And, and again, Shite Day has traded off this for, for many, many years. But whenever we received a new client, it would go back to the drawing board, literally, um, and um, you know, focus on, why do you exist in the world and what is your purpose? Um, and from that point, uh, you can start building a brand that will truly stand the test of time. Um, so I, I would say um, if, if you're um, thinking about bringing purpose to your work, uh, jump onto YouTube and watch Simon Sinek's 20-minute uh, TED Talk around uh, the why, how, what. I think it was called The Golden Circle. Right. Fantastic. Well, I think that's a... A wonderful way to to leave our conversation. It's certainly something that 
I'm excited that we've been talking about this for a few years in terms of what it could be, but to have so many great examples, including yours at T-Mobile, to see it really happening and for you all to be talking about it so uh, eloquently, I think is fantastic. So with that, Nick Drake, um, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great fun. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 